Hello, ghouls, and welcome to Brave the Basement. I'm your host, Ghoul That Rules. I'm your co-host, Black One Jack 2. If you enjoy getting a little scared, ghost stories, haunted houses, a believer in the supernatural, or maybe even a skeptic when to look at things from a different perspective, then this is the show for you. Today's episode is sponsored by Ed's Barbershop. Ed's Barbershop is located at 210 Lane Street in North Judson, Indiana. So if you enjoy getting your hair cut from a hometown barber with that old-fashioned feel, then dial 574-896-3344 and schedule your appointment today. How's it going today, Blackjack? Uh, pretty good. Just a little tired, you know. A little tired, huh? Yeah. So today's episode, we are going to just be simply telling some ghost stories. Good old-fashioned ghost stories. Good old-fashioned sit-around-the-campfire ghost stories. Uh, so the title of this episode is Ghost Stories Volume 1, because we're going to be doing these stories every so often. Uh, just random ghost stories out there. N- not really a main topic, just scary ghost stories. So uh, this first ghost story, it comes from you. From OutsideOnline.com. I'll be reading three of these stories. And then I'm going to share a personal story about uh, a ghost hunt that I did. Or maybe we can make fun of you for running away. I did not run away that time. Okay, now we have now we have confidence. Okay, so this first story is titled The Ghost of Oxford, Oxford Milford Road. When Brad Culp was a student at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio... There was a rumor that the town was one of the most haunted places in America. When Culp started an on-campus magazine, he couldn't wait to write about several of the area's most famous phantoms. Not long after his story published, he kept finding himself thinking about one ghost in particular, the ghost of Oxford Milford Road. As the story goes, many decades ago, probably sometime in the 1940s, there was a young man courting a woman in a rural part of the town. Because the woman's parents didn't approve of the match, each night he visited under the cover of darkness. After her parents went to bed, the young woman would sneak out of her farmhouse and flash the lights of her parents' car three times. Then her young suitor would ride his motorcycle down the road. One night, he took the turn right before her house a little too sharp. The motorcycle went one way, he went the other. His injuries were so severe that he did not survive. Rumor has it, however, that his love-struck ghost still haunts this stretch of Milford Road. Curious, Culp, his girlfriend, and a friend decided to head out there one night to see if they could verify the tale. His girlfriend was worried she'd be completely freaked out. She believes more in that stuff than I do, Culp says. But he was mostly concerned at his suspicions that none of this would actually be true. On this particular night, as Colt passed the abandoned farm, an idea came to him, and he pitched it to his girlfriend. Though reluctant, she relented, and Colt turned a short way into the farmhouse driveway. He killed the engine and flashed his lights three times. No joke, there was a single headlight that appeared three-quarters of a mile down the road, Colt says. You saw it start to come and going pretty slow. It kept coming and coming. My wife was freaking out. It was coming closer and closer. As the collision seemed imminent, Colt turned on his car's lights. He expected to see a kid on a bike bailing out from his prank now that he'd been caught. But there's nothing there. The light is just gone, he says. They got out of the car. They walked around trying to figure out what it was they could have seen. 
To this day, we still talk about it. I saw something I cannot explain, he says. If you get him and his wife around a campfire, they'll swear up and down that this story is true. And if you're ever in Oxford, Ohio, consider parking for just a few minutes on Oxford Milford Road at night to test your own nerve. I'm just going to say, thank God we're in Ohio, not Savannah, Georgia. Oh, so you're glad we're away from Savannah. Oh, yeah, I want to get far away from that place. But what you, would you think of this story, Blackjack? You think that really is a ghost that they've seen? What, what was this? Uh, I, I'm not sure on this uh, because it wouldn't be like a demon. Well, no, obviously not a demon, but do, but do you think that this was a ghost that they were seeing, or do you think that this was just a headlight of some sort? It was just coincidence. I mean, it, I mean, it just disappeared, though. So you're so you're thinking ghost for sure. But it's like it's like the mood you like, okay? It's just you know, uh, it's just there, and then and doesn't moody light disappear? Sometimes, yeah. So it's like one of those things. It's just you don't know. Now uh, we're gonna go ahead and jump to this next story, and this is uh, just touching on a topic which we have never talked about here on Brave the Basement. Uh, and the title of this is "Was it people or was it aliens?" Aliens. Doug Averill grew up as one of the eight boys on his parents' sprawling dude ranch. The Flathead Lake Lodge in rural Montana. We're not in Georgia no more. Nope. We're, we're in Montana now. We went from uh, Georgia to Ohio. Now we're in Montana. As a teen, the Avril boys ran wild. We rode around as a little gang of cowboys, he remembers. They'd saddle up and head off to check cattle on the three giant tracts of land the family managed, which formed a triangle around some of the state's most remote rangelands. One summer in the 1960s, the brothers came across a ghastly sight. There on the ground were three dead cows neatly arranged in a circle. No obvious wounds were visible, but the reproductive organs had been removed. But there was never any blood. It was almost surgical removal. During this decade, America was obsessed with aliens and write-ups in the local newspapers say that perhaps this was the work of extraterrestrials. People mused that aliens had taken the reproductive organs for testing, but one day, Avril and his friends came across a lance in their path. Attached to it was a cryptic note with a threatening message. That's when we thought it's got to be people doing this, he says. Then things got really strange. Over the next few days, a series of odd events unfolded. First, the brothers stopped in at a local bar to grab a hamburger, leaving their horses in the back of a stock truck. The horses were packed in tightly, and Avril's were gone only for a few minutes. When it came back, the horse packed into the middle of the truck was mysteriously gone, with no signs of a struggle. We had no idea how they possibly could have gotten that horse unloaded, without unloading all the others, he said. The next day, a new wrangler on the ranch fell off his horse and was badly injured. They'd all be riding together, but not a single other member of the crew saw the accident. It was the weirdest thing, Avril says. The man's injuries were so severe 
that he was left permanently disabled. Finally, the last terrible thing happened. An old camp cook drove out to meet his brothers and ride for a day. But when he arrived, the tailgate on his stock truck somehow gone missing, even though it had been there when he'd loaded up. His horse, Betsy, had fallen out of the truck and been dragged behind the vehicle for who knows how long. They had to put her down on the spot. To be honest, it just killed him to see what had happened to Betsy. We probably should have put him down too, remembers Avril. Those three events were just boom, boom, boom. Three things in a row that they were so weird all tied together because they were right after we saw that spear, he remembers. Three things, like the three dead cows left in a circle. Avril used to tell the stories from that summer around the campfire quite a lot. But over the years, he's gotten new stories. And so they've been shifted out of rotation. Besides, they're awfully grim, but he recently got a call about a downed bull, a buffalo. It was out in one of the most remote parts of his ranch. A neighbor had seen a pack of 16 wolves, and normally wolves don't bother buffalo, but 16 of them. I thought, well, maybe. We went to investigate. There, lying in a snow-covered field was the bull, but there was no bullet holes or teeth marks or gashes on its corpse. Even stranger, scavenging animals and birds hadn't touched it, not even the buzzards, which is really unusual. One other thing was amiss. Its reproductive organs were gone, and there wasn't a single footprint in the snow around it or anywhere along the mile-long walk into the ranch from the nearest road. Ask Everill whether he thinks he's dealing with aliens or humans, and he'll tell you he's pretty sure it's humans. But I'd rather it was aliens, he adds. After that summer, back in the 60s, seeing what humans were capable of, He'd pick aliens any day. So what do you think's going on here, Blackjack? I'm just going to say this. Of course it's a ranch. Why wouldn't aliens be a, you know, in the city? It's always in the ranch with these aliens. So do you think these aliens are, are taking these these cows and bulls' uh, reproductive organs and doing weird tests on them? And, and, or, or, do you, or, or is this just people? I mean, why not both? So you so it could be both. You think some of it's people. I mean, I mean, so, if they're going to ranches, like who's who's by them to find out that they're gone? That's a good point. I mean, there's no one for miles. Your your nearest neighbor is gonna be the guy, the ranch, twenty five thirty miles away. And then so we're gonna go in and get into the last story that is on uh, this website, and this is called the Ghost of La Parva Ski Resort. Throughout Latin America, you'll hear variations of the story of La Llorona, or the Wailing Woman. Sometimes she's lost her husband. Sometimes she's lost her children. Sometimes it's both. But in La Parva, a ski spot in the Chilean Andes, the Wailing Woman is named Lola, and everyone in the area swears they knew her before she died. A local restaurant owner said he dated her. Pro skier True Tapke says, adding that the skis patroller he heard the story from pointed at the exact hut 
where this tale takes place. The story starts on a nice day in peak ski season. Lola and her young son plan to spend the day on the slopes. As can happen in the Andes, a thick fog rose up from the valley, which often precedes the arrival of a real storm. The clouds enveloped the two as they were making their way down from the top of the mountain, and they lost contact with one another. Desperate to find her son, Lola began screaming his name as she ran through the thick fog. Unable to see clearly, though, she stumbled down a steep slope and began sliding toward a rocky collier. By chance, a local lift operator who was returning to his cabin came across her body. He was afraid she was dead, but on closer inspection, he found she was still alive, just barely. Her body was covered in lacerations from sharp rocks, and the only word she said in the faintest whisper was her son's name. The lift operator worked to carefully pull her body to his cabin, which was just up the hill. He bandaged her cuts as best he could and then ran to fetch the doctor. Together, the doctor and lift operator made their way back to his hut, the fog hanging thickly in the air. When they arrived, though, the bed was empty, just the bloody sheets remained. Neither the woman nor her son were ever found, but locals report hearing her wail for her child whenever they're near that lift operator's cabin. Now, what's interesting about this one, Blackjack, is uh, I have heard, uh, especially in... The Latino community, uh, there's a lot of stories about a wailing woman, either looking for a husband or a lost child. So do you think that this woman was one of the wailing women looking for her son? I mean, most likely, yeah. And that's something I think I think we'll do a little bit more research on as, as well and see if, see if we have another a whole episode we can do or not. Uh, on on these wailing women uh, in some of these areas. So my final story for the day is a personal experience of mine, and I briefly mentioned it um, on the last episode. And I went to a local haunted uh, cemetery, and what I was looking for, uh, well, I'll just tell you the story. Of exactly what happened. And I posted this on Reddit as well. And it is called Devil Face Cemetery. I spent some time in cemeteries looking for ghosts. It was always exciting to think that you may actually get a close-up encounter with the supernatural. I'm guessing that since most people don't die in the cemetery, they are not as haunted as we would like to believe. Or are they? After multiple trips ghost hunting cemeteries with very little success, I gave up on them. One day, while reading local urban legends in my area, I came across several people with similar similar stories. They claim if you go to a specific cemetery at night and you find a particular gravestone and you illuminate the picture on the stone with a light or a candle, the man's face in the picture will turn into the devil's face. Nobody could give very clear directions on how to find the stone, but one person said that you need to find the stone with the red grass blades. I don't know what kind of grass is red, nor have I ever seen red grass, 
but it was the only thing I had to work with to find the stone. I waited until night and went to the cemetery. It was a short drive and nothing eventful happened on the way there. When I arrived, I didn't notice anything out of the normal. It was, of course, a normal cemetery with a small church sharing the property. I heard the normal noises you would hear at night during the summer. Since everything appeared safe, I decided to focus on the task at hand. I pulled out my flashlight and walked up and down every aisle in the cemetery, looking for the red grass. As expected, I found no such grass, and I started thinking that red grass doesn't exist. I then realized I had to do what I feared, illuminate all the stones with pictures on them. So I began this daunting task. I would guess I was at it for about 30 minutes, and I came across the stone I was looking for. When I first illuminated the picture, I didn't see anything, and I was just starting to turn to go to the next stone. In the corner of my eye, I thought I seen movement in the picture. I turned back to the stone and illuminated it again. I waited about five seconds, and then I seen the photo of what seemed to be an ordinary man turn into the face of the devil. At first I was startled, but then I thought that maybe this was just an illusion that had something to do with the flame of the lighter and the shadows on the photo. I got closer to the photo to confirm my suspicion. As I got closer, not only was it clear that the man's face was that of the devil's, I could then see the blood coming out of his eyes dripping down to the grass blades below. As I stood there not believing what I was seeing, I still couldn't help but to acknowledge the fact that I have solved the red grass blade mystery. I mean, that's just kind of terrifying. I mean, just blood from this guy's foot. I mean, that's not that's not nice. Now, what's really weird is I can find this um, on the internet, but I, I there's no backstory. I don't know what what what's causing it. I don't know. You know, if if there was, I we have no idea. The, the urban legend is simply you go there, you illuminate it with a cigarette lighter or a candle, the guy's face turns into the devil's face, and that's it. We got a mission for you ghouls out there. If you have any information regarding to this man turning into the devil, please email us at bravethebasement at email.com so we could cover it because this is actually very interesting. Yeah, and so, you know, I've I've been wanting to do this story for a long time, and I've n- I haven't been able to do it because it was like one of them. I don't have a backstory. All I got is my personal experience, um, and some urban legends that I read. A lot of people talk about this red grass, uh, and a lot of people talk about how the guy's face turns into that of the devil. Some people even claim they've seen werewolves. Uh, but I have been by this this area many, many times and never seen anything uh, quite like that. But the man's face turned into that of the devil's. Might be our next stop. Yeah, it's, you know, we can go out there, Blackjack. I mean, it's... Uh, just, honestly, I would love to do an episode uh, on, on that. We'll We'll do it live like Moody's Light. We'll probably do it soon. And yeah, I'm I'm totally interested. This is actually sounds very interesting. All right, so if you'd like to become a Brave the Basement ghoul, be sure to share this show on social media. Go 
Go to bravethebasement.weebly.com and sign up for our newsletter to get all the latest news and updates when each episode has been posted. If you have a ghost story you would like to share with us, you can reach us at bravethebasement at gmail.com. Your story can make it on the show and be featured on the website. You can also submit your story on Reddit under the subreddit Brave the Basement or in the YouTube comment section. And that brings us to the end. We hope that we brought you just a little fright. And remember when you were up late at night and you hear something in the other room that just doesn't seem right. It's okay if you need to turn on the light to protect yourself from things that go bump in the night. I'm your host, Gould Rules. I'm your co-host, Black One Jack 2. And I hope you join us again. Till next time. <laughs>